Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going? It's going. Right, let's see if the audio can hold up this week. We're not talking all over each other and having it jumbled up. And I've got yeah, people texting it, we, me. Yeah, we continue to have audio issues, and it's the platform we use. As some of you might remember, we used to have a podcast producer. We do not now. And uh, boy, it caused all kinds of problems. Actually, I had to edit Sunday's episode, which took me for better part of the day, uh, which made me so mad. So uh, we're going to try to uh, get that solved. Uh, we did fix the episode that a lot of people complained about. But by the time we did, yeah, most people had already downloaded the other one. So uh, anyway, we apologize for that. So Rob, we're going to, it's the season. So we're going to do a lot of picks this week uh, with zero research, which is my favorite to just go... Uh, straight off the top and uh, randomly pick games. So, oops, of course, I closed the thing I was trying to look at. Um, so let's get into it right away. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to roll. The, the first game we're going to talk about is the big game of the week. Texas A&M going to Clemson. Now, what is going on with this point spread, huh? You know, I'm due to just collapse since I had such a good week last week when it wasn't recorded here on the podcast. Not that we picked games, did we? Um and now I'm going to go like 0-4 or whatever we do. Uh, I don't know what's going on with this point spread. I like LSU a lot. Um, I think you do as well. So, you know. I'm no, no. We're t- I, said, <laughs> I said Clemson and Texas A&M. Oh, first. I thought you said Texas. No, sorry. So, Clemson is a 17-point favorite at home. 17 and a half, I think, is what this – I guess I should look on uh, – we should do a uh, – yeah, the reason it's uh, probably that big is, didn't they – correct me if I'm wrong, I have to look this up. They played last year, and Kellen Mond threw for like 350 yards, and they still lost by 17 points, right? No, it was really close. I don't think it was a 17-point final. Don't you remember, like, this was before Trevor was playing? Yeah, uh, I, thought it was a, I thought they still lost by double digits, even no. though Mond had a great game. No, they definitely had – they definitely should have won, I think. I think uh, – let me go back and look at the score. Um, wait, wait. <laughs> of course, I can't find it now. I got. It. I thought I had it. I have another. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a. I'm almost positive. Yeah, it was 28 to 26. Oh, it was closer than I thought. Yeah, yeah and I don't know what's going on with the spread. I guess maybe they're thinking with full time. You know, Jesus is playing quarterback full time there now. It's. <laughs> <laughs> well, so who are you taking? Give me A and M. Just too many points. points. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's a lot, Um, and I keep like you know I'm I keep tossing back and forth. Yeah, we are going with seventeen point five. Guess what? I want to take Texas A and M, but you know, in Trev, I trust. I do think that that Texas A and M's defense could have some problems with. uh, you know, the rushing attack there. So I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson. Probably like a, like a game where they pull away late. Uh, it's a big number, but, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to go ahead and take. Trev threw a couple interceptions last week. Yeah, I know. Everyone has decided he sucks now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is always fun. Uh, out of the Heisman race. Had a chance. Yeah, All I'm right. sure you know, Ed Oliver is going to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did hear Derek King, dark, dark horse Heisman candidate, which was tweeted by our own Josh McQuistian. Yeah. These people dark- got to understand that none of these guys are ever going to win the Heisman. <laughs> it's just it, not going to happen. It's, not a, it's an invisible horse, not a dark horse. Okay, he, he's not. Yeah, Derek King is not winning the Heisman ever. 
<laughs> just like Ed Oliver was not winning the Heisman ever. Right. There ever. was never, ever a chance of that happening. And people just and everyone say oh, he's a Heisman candidate. Well, well you guess gotta, what? See, you got to pick a you got to pick a group of five guy at the beginning of the year. And you got to stick with him. You got to push him. You know, there's a different well, dude every year. People love De'Ara King. People, I mean, the the amount of the, the amount of love I've heard for him. Somehow, nobody uh, and everyone continues to hate UCF, uh, which I, is understandable considering their trolling status. Which I texted you before we started recording that they're getting picked against, uh, which which we'll get to. So let's roll through some of these uh, sleeper games. Alabama minus fifty five and a half, Rob. Uh, who are they playing? New Mexico State, which you yeah, saw New play Mexico last State. week. I, I read something somewhere where Saban – I don't think Alabama has ever covered a spread where they're they're this big or Saban has it or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was suggesting that you know probably New Mexico State's the, the bet. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take them as well just because, like you said, that's a huge number. And, and Saban, Saban necessarily doesn't like to uh, – he doesn't seem like he likes to run up the score. Like, no, not unless he's got reason to, you know. Right, exactly. So, all right, uh, Georgia. <laughs> Georgia's playing Murray State, which, by the way, <laughs> I I don't we're not going to pick on Georgia here, which but we don't even have a spread, so we're going to skip that game. But I mean, come on, like these teams, there shouldn't be any FCS FBS games. I'm sorry, any at any level. Don't Does you Georgia agree? have two of them this year? Then don't they? Don't all the SEC teams are they not playing a, an FCS in the middle of the year? Um. They're probably playing like Troy or something. Let me look at who they got. Yeah, because they they definitely play a second bad team. They play Arkansas. Now, of course, they play Georgia Tech every year, so I get cut them a little bit of slack. Uh, their late in the season team is – oh, no, see, they're also playing Notre Dame. Ah. So you got to give them credit. They're playing Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. But it's like just schedule Georgia State, you know? Do we have to play Murray State? <laughs> And as somebody who's real sorry, they scheduled Georgia State. <laughs> right, exactly. We'll get it. We'll talk about that later as we as we roll through. Uh, let's see, Oklahoma. Did they play anybody this week? Oh, we don't got to spread on that game. This is ridiculous with these. Uh, lack Miami of- plays North Carolina. That's an interesting game. Um. Yeah, I I don't. I won't be able to watch it, so I don't care. Okay, <laughs> like. This ACC network situation is is out of control. Okay, Ohio State and Cincinnati. Speaking of darling group of five teams, uh, I thought Cincinnati was going to lose last week to UCLA. I didn't realize UCLA was not going to play any of their good players, which was a uh, stunning development. And by the way, did you did you watch that game at all? Yeah, you did. Yeah, the announcers didn't even notice. <laughs> I mean, the announcing team of that game, which was our boy from Barstool, your favorite site, uh, Pat McAfee, the former. Oh, wait, they had a, that, he's a barstool guy. Oh yeah, he was a big barstool guy. Oh, he's not board. anymore, right? No, he had some type of. You know, this will surprise you. They had a falling out with the uh, shots, <laughs> the, the head guy over there. But anyway, he spent the whole game trying to make like funny catchphrases, and you know, obviously, Rob and I are not super serious. But at some point, someone's got to say. Hey, why why isn't UCLA's best two players on best player on offense and best player on defense not playing? Um, and so that was disappointing. I was getting real irritated. But anyway, he Ohio was State, really he was really doing the accents. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a German one. He had an Australian one. I think he had a Southern one at some point. It was yeah. It was like, it was like the variety hour. I enjoyed it. It was a rough watch for me. I was getting real frustrated. Uh, Ohio State's a 15 and a, and a half point favorite over Cincinnati. Of course, this is Luke Fickle coming back to play his alma mater. So uh, what do you think, Rob? 
give me the Buckeyes. I think they looked really good. I think Justin Fields looked really good. I don't think Cincinnati's as good as everybody thinks they are. I think that people are just bored with UCF, so they have to pick another AAC team. That's right, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take. I am going to take Cincinnati. I think there's a lot of points. If it was 14 or less, I would probably take Ohio State. But I, for some reason, I think it's going to be. Some people worried about Fields later in the game not looking as good. I know that was a, a common refrain. But uh, give me the uh, give me the Bearcats. Uh, as Dave Lackford loves to text me about how their quarterback was a two star uh, all the time. So, uh, all right, next up, this LSU, the LSU Texas game you were wanting to talk about so badly. This is definitely the the second game of the week, if not the Clemson uh, Texas A and M game. LSU a six and a half point favorite on the road, and the number continues to climb. I think you and I both like LSU here, right? Yeah, they're gonna win by sixteen. I just think Texas – one one wrinkle about LSU, and there's a lot of talk about their new passing offense. They have two really good freshman running backs that came in, and I don't think they're necessarily getting enough pub. I think one of them has a breakout game in this one. I just I just think LSU is going to kind of overpower them up front. Uh, you know, the, everyone wants to talk about the passing game, but you know what? They're going to run it down their throat. Bottom line is that's what Ordron likes to do. Yeah, I don't uh, think Texas has the talent yet. I think they will. I also think they've been suspect in the non-con for the last two years under Tom Herman. I think they've lost this. Well, who they lost Maryland twice, uh, and their big win was over USC, who doesn't look so big anymore. I don't know. I think they struggle in the non-conference, and I just I can see LSU just rolling here. All right, uh, Army travels to Michigan, a twenty-two and a half point underdog. Uh, Army barely beat Rice last week in a game that uh, that I was very heavily interested in, <laughs> the Rice Owls. So uh, uh, Shea Patterson also didn't look super hot uh, in, oh, his first, in his first game. <laughs> oh, he, by that. he was injured. Uh, so uh, give me Michigan. I think they're going to bounce back here. They didn't play a lot of their players either. And I think, you know, guess what? They've been practicing all season for the triple option. On your favorite storylines, Rob. So, who do you, who do you think? I don't. I think Shea Patterson is good, but I don't. I can't name a player on Army. So this is you know this is tough. Uh, give me the Wolverines. I'll, I'll ride with you on this one. I you know I always take the team uh, with the guys I know over the team that has no players that I've ever heard of. Yeah, I, I just I I was pretty disappointed in uh, in Army. I mean they're, they're they're you know everyone wants them to be like a ten win team every year, and they were good last year. But they, I mean, I'm sorry, you can't do that. You can't you can't play like that against Rice uh, week one at home. Look, I resent Army too for it's just such a boring brand of football. I, I have such a hard time. Why? And you know, granted, this is a terrible way to bet. I have such a hard time watching them play. When people get all excited for the Army Navy game at the end of the year, I can't I can't watch it. It's unwatchable to me. It's it's boring. So you're going against the typical college football, uh, the college football. No, I don't think anybody thing. likes it. I think that people just pretend to like it. Because no, not only it. do they pretend to like it, they also advocate that like Kansas and Oregon State and schools like that should also be triple option teams. It's so boring. I I don't know. I, I can't stand watching it. The four as, yards in a cloud of dust. As someone who played in some stupid offense like that in high school and wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I can tell you it is boring, and it even is boring for the players. So, uh, all right, next up, Auburn and Tulane. This one uh, has been moving, uh, people pounding Tulane. Uh, Auburn is 17.5-point favorite still. Uh, a lot of letdown potential, though, and Tulane looked really good in week one. So what do you think, Rob? Yeah, I like Tulane. They have athletes. I think Willie Fritz is a good coach. 
Uh, I think they looked great. I mean, I I, I had the, I was interested in their game in, in week one, and they came through and absolutely just dismantled their opponent. I think that they can hang in there. I think that you know when you're playing against a freshman quarterback, as ever good as Bo Nix is going to be, and I'm sure he'll be fine. He's not there yet, right? Like it's there's some growing pains here, and I think that you'll see more of those. I don't think he looked polished by any means last week against Oregon. Uh, I think Tulane can keep this close. Yeah, and and the interesting thing about Tulane is that they've got a lot of transfers in there from from bigger programs. So their quarterbacks from LSU, and then the the receiver is uh, Jalen McCleskey, whose dad's the wide receiver coach. He came from Oklahoma State, so they kind of debuted a new offense, and uh, I really like it what I what I saw from them too. So I'm going to take Tulane. If it gets below 17, though, I think it's going to be tough to to take the Green Wave, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to take it, take it now. Right. Get yeah. Exactly. Get on it early. Um, let's see, I... Can we while we're on this? Can we talk about how we're already doing the Gus Melzahn dance? Oh yeah. Well, he better. It's, it's amazing. He's on the hot seat uh, every week. He's on the hot seat. He's been on the hot seat for a decade. <laughs> uh, next up, Utah plays Northern Illinois. Utah twenty-one and a half point favorite at home. Uh, obviously, we both watched Utah play last week against BYU. They didn't didn't need to do a whole lot. They had two pick sixes. I think they cover the 21 and a half pretty easily here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Zach Moss is an NFL running back. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> well, why'd you rank him so low? <laughs> yes, as I said, my apologies to him. Well, he's not that low. He's the highest three-star he can be. He's a shred away from being a four-star. I thought he was slow. Uh, if you really want the answer, when, when we want to talk about his ranking coming out of high school, I didn't think he had the speed to really be a – uh, you know, an NFL type guy, but you know, shows what I know. Nobody can tackle him. He's impossible to tackle. Well, here's the thing. We knew he was good before he had any offers and then he was committed to Miami. And then you almost let, sometimes you let, uh, the opinions of, of some of these college coaches, uh, sway you a little bit. My, he was, he was definitely not a take for Miami, right? They dropped him. Yeah. They, yeah, they dropped him. Um, I always thought that was really, that, that was in the most chaotic period of Miami football, right? Like, they were taking, you know, they fill up their whole class a year before signing day. They'd have 15 commitments and they'd all decommit. Uh, and Moss was part of that. And we liked him. And we liked him and Huntley. And, you know, both of them got ranked super high three stars and they ended up going to Utah. And I, I wish I could have it back. Yeah, Huntley's been pretty. I know Huntley's the one you regret too, but I think his ranking's probably about right on. I mean, he's been pretty inconsistent over the years, uh, even though he, you know he's their quarterback and they've been a good team. So, uh, all right, Pac-12 in conference action. Uh, Cal going up to play Washington. The Bears are a thirteen and a half point underdogs. Cal beat Washington, or no, Washington won last year twelve to ten in one of the ugliest games you would ever see in your life. Uh, I like Cal here. Uh, they're getting almost two touchdowns. Justin Wilcox, of course, was uh, Chris Peterson's defensive coordinator for a long time. He's the coach at Cal. So uh, give me the Bears. I'd like them to go on the road and at least cover. Everybody likes the Cal secondary. I saw a Sports Illustrated article this year calling it possibly the best secondary in the country, which is a lie. Um, <laughs> no, one, no one's certain terms. <laughs> but uh, that's – I mean, it's, it's a fun thing to say out loud, I guess. Uh, give me Washington. I like Eason. I'll take – I think talent generally wins out. They've got a better coach. They've got better players. I'm with the Huskies. Well, they do have a, a two-time walk-on who is a zero-star recruit starting a safety – See, that's all that matters. Plenty of people, plenty of writers will tell you all about a zero-star recruit. Um, Penn State, let's see, who do they have? Uh, Buffalo, 29.5-point favorites. Now, one thing I've noticed about James Franklin is he likes to run up the score and blow people out. You remember the game a couple years ago where they kicked a field goal and everyone got all mad at him or 
or yeah, they yeah, yeah. Field goal or something like that. Uh, I, I'm taking Penn State. I think they're going to keep running up the score on people. And Buffalo lost a ton of talent. I think that's uh, definitely hurting them. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say here, but I'll ride with you. Yeah, I know you, <laughs> James Franklin, one of your least favorite coaches. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, okay. Uh, next up, boy, we're rolling right through them here. Oregon playing Nevada. Oregon coming off that heartbreaking loss. 24-point uh, favorite against Nevada, which beat Purdue at home uh, in a game that Purdue really kind of choked away. Uh, I don't know. This one's tough because I, Oregon's not really built to blow people out. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take Nevada, even though I think Oregon's going to come out angry. I, I do think like maybe like a backdoor cover situation here for uh, – for the old wolf pack. I'm going to say something. I don't really want to say it very loud because I don't want the, I don't want the people in the Midwest to hear me, but I don't think Purdue is very good. And I don't think they were ever very good. <laughs> including last year. Um, when they went six and six last year, you mean? Yeah. And everybody thought that Jeff Brom was Nick Saban 2.0. <laughs> um, I think they're very Iowa state-ish. <laughs> it's like, you know, six wins is reason for celebration. You know, it's a, it's the Paul Rhodes situation where Paul Rhodes is the hottest coach in the world for a year and a half until his team sucks again and he gets fired, um, which is the road Matt Campbell's headed down to. But <laughs> <All right. laughs> we can get into that later. So who's uh, your anyway, long story short, I don't think Nevada is good either. Give me Oregon. Okay. All right. Uh, we're almost done as we, as we roll right through here. This was, yeah, that, that could be a really good game. Uh, uh, Wisconsin hosting Central Michigan. Wisconsin, a 35-point favorites. It's a huge number, but guess what? Central Michigan yeah. is te- terrible, and uh, Wisconsin is rolling, and I'm going to take Wisconsin. Well, Jonathan Taylor looks like the best back in college football. I, he, you know, I want to talk about an impressive running back. I love him. Um, I don't think that's a big secret or anything. I think he was the Heisman front runner last year, right, at the beginning of the year? Yeah, he or- definitely is. is uh he definitely is going to be in – I think he's going to make it there this year no matter how Wisconsin does because he's going to – he might have 2,000 yards rushing. Yeah, so give me Wisconsin. I think they can cover that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting. He was uh, in the Rivals 250 for us but is commonly referred to as a three-star. So uh, Who? Yeah, he's one that we just make up a ranking for him? Yeah, I think other places had him ranked lower, uh, but we constantly get the uh, – He's a three-star guy. Well, that's the thing. They pick the lowest ranking, <laughs> you know, out of all of the sites. They will seek out and find the lowest ranking. Yeah. So uh, UCF and FAU, this is a game, like I said, a lot of people on FAU, uh, at least the people that talk about football. I don't know if the actual numbers back that up. UCF is a 10.5-point favorite, and uh, I'm going to take the Knights. I do think, and I talked about this on Sunday, I don't know if you watched them at all, I think Dylan Gabriel, also known as not a take for Georgia and USC, despite taking official visits to both schools <laughs> per their fans, I think he's going to be the starting quarterback by week four. I think if UCF gets in any sort of trouble, he comes in the game and and, uh, and takes it over. But I like UCF here. Yeah, I do too. And I think any chatter about FAU is just, again, being bored. Right, exactly. People are bored of UCF. It's, it's fine to be bored of UCF. Now, Brandon Wimbush, he does not look like the answer to me. He's just too inaccurate. But the, the problem is against a team like FAU, his ability to run is, is, is kind of all it takes. But to really make the UCF offense go, I think you need to get uh, Gabriel to be the guy. So, What was I, the final score of Ohio State and FAU last week? It was a blowout, right? 
No, it ended up getting close. It came back at the end or something. Yeah, it was. It wasn't as bad as it would have been. I mean, it looked like Ohio State was going to win like a hundred to nothing uh, early. The final was forty-five twenty-one. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, give me UCF. Okay. All right. Now, and, and UCF did, did look pretty good, even though they were playing a uh, horrible. Uh, FAMU team with our with me and Blake Alderman reminiscing about the quarterback. Um, Western Michigan traveling to Michigan State, 16-point underdogs. Oh, I like this one, Rob. West, give me Western Michigan. I had a great time at a piano bar in Kalamazoo one time. <laughs> and, uh, I think Western Michigan is the best team in the MAC. I think uh, Michigan State is not built to really blow people out. So, uh, yeah, give me the old Broncos. What's the spread? 16 yeah 16 yeah i'll ride with you i yeah i i'm not as high on brian howorky in michigan state as some people are. right they're they're off I just think, and he's a good quarterback don't get me wrong but he is when he's bad and he's bad 40 percent of the time he's pretty bad when he's good he's good though all right, Iowa uh, hosting Rutgers, only 19.5-point favorites. Rutgers with the Texas Tech transfer at quarterback put up a lot of yards last week. Sorry, Ar- Arthur Sitkowski. <laughs> I think his career's over there. Yeah, and I am yeah, an IMG legend. Uh, had as many stars as he did touchdown passes famously when he was a four-star and had four touchdowns this season. <laughs> we should clarify that we dropped him before the yes, – And then we, the best part was when we dropped him, it wasn't because he had four touchdown passes. It was people were accusing me of doing it because he committed to Rutgers. And I'm like, he can be committed to the Detroit Lions, and if he throws four touchdown passes in a season, we're probably going to drop him. Yeah, we and he ended up getting beat out that year in high school by the quarterback that uh, Annex Dodd, who went to uh, Minnesota. So yeah, and then um, he got benched. Yeah, it was that was. A I, I wasn't super impressed with Iowa. I actually ended up watching some of their game against Miami of Ohio just because uh, it was close. But th- there's no chance. Sorry, Rutgers. I think Iowa's going to run all over them. So 19 and a half. I'll take it. Uh, if, if it was at Rutgers, I actually might might lean towards uh, Rutgers, but I'm going to take Iowa. Uh, there is no destination or planet in which this game could be played on that would make me want to take Rutgers. <laughs> Give me the Hawkeyes. Yeah, you'd feel pretty dumb. It's one of those things like when you pick against Alabama, when you pick uh, for Rutgers to cover, I mean, come on. And then they lose. Yeah, you lose the bet, and then you also lose a little bit of, like, you know, your intelligence. <laughs> so uh, Syracuse traveling to Maryland. This one's interesting because Syracuse is ranked and Maryland's not. And Syracuse is a two-point underdog. Uh, the, the game started as Syracuse as the favorite. It's now flipped. Uh, this one I've been kind of flipping back and forth on. Tommy DeVito, the new Syracuse quarterback, didn't look great last week against uh, Liberty, a game that, that uh, we'll talk about later. But uh, I got news for you. I'm sorry, Maryland. You got some momentum, but uh, Sir, keep in mind, Sir, we're talking about Syracuse as a team that could beat Clemson, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to take uh, the cues. This is this is a spread I can't figure out. You're going back and forth on it. I think the spread should be bigger. Um, I really, really like Syracuse here. I I, I don't <laughs> – the lineup was looks too good to me, which makes me think that I'm probably definitely going to lose this one. But I, uh, I'm on the orange. So you, might, you like the cues money line then. They've got them plus two. Indeed. Okay. Um, Washington State. Are they are they playing this week? I know you uh, you you were while you were texting me. You're like Washington State's quarterback Scott Irving. Does not look like they are. Um, this is the game. This is one of the most interesting games. Though Stanford goes to USC. 
in a game that's probably going to be both backup quarterbacks. JT Daniels knocked out for the year. They're playing uh, Slovis, who was they're playing a some guy, <laughs> three star guy. <laughs> I have never heard of this person, and that's saying something for me and you. When they uh, rolled him out there, I thought they had like Jack Sears or somebody. Well, Sears went in the portal because they – so this was a classic football coach thing that happened. Okay, so Sears played last year in a game and looked pretty good. And then he was in the battle this year. He loses the job, and they put him fourth on the depth chart. And the reason that uh, Helton gave was that he didn't want Daniels looking over his shoulder, right? So when Sears is fourth on the depth chart, he goes and decides to transfer. And then week one – uh, Daniels immediately gets hurt, and now they're like, Helton's like, well, Sears is welcome back. <laughs> yeah, I bet he is. <laughs> well, why did you put him fourth on the depth chart? My guess would be if they would have put him second, he would have stayed. So uh, Slovis uh, was a 5'7", three-star. He's a true freshman. I've heard a lot about him being a three-star where, guy. Where is he from? He's a California guy? He's from uh, Arizona. He had Kurt Warner as his offensive coordinator. Rob, he's from Desert Mountain. Oh, I've been to that school, yes. Um. Nah, uh, what's the spread? Stanford plus uh, one and a half, but Stanford, keep in mind, is probably going to be starting Davis Mills, yeah, a former five star quarterback. But they look like shell shocked when he was in the game last week. Yeah, I don't know. Give me, give me, give me Stanford. You just yeah, because I'm, USC is habitual, you know, they're a habitual <laughs> game they shouldn't lose losers. Uh, I'm, I'm right. I'll give me Stanford. I'm going to take Stanford, too. I think Mills wasn't expecting to be thrown in there, and if he has a full week to prepare as the guy. He's been in the program now. This is his third season. I know he's had injuries. but uh, What time does that game kick off? Do you know? That's the Pac-12 after dark. Okay, I was going to say, that's the uh, only way that I will be watching that game. <laughs> if there is another option, I, I will not be around. But if it's the after dark game. Let me tell you let me tell you some over under 45 and a half. I think we're looking at like a 13 to seven. <laughs> so I would easily take that under if I was uh, so inclined. Slovis. <laughs> Keaton Slovis. That's a fun name to say, isn't it? All right. Marshall traveling to Boise State. Uh, Boise State coming off a big win. They move into the top 25. Uh, 12 point favorites against the old thundering herd, a team that I always like to follow, but uh Gimme Boise going back home. I think they win this one easily. Um, yeah, I don't know a ton about Marshall. Uh, Boise riding high after defeating the juggernaut in Tallahassee. I, uh, I'll take I'll take the Broncos as well. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> Who do you think would for, win a game for, between uh, Tennessee and Florida State if they played today on a neutral field? Uh, Florida State would win by I'd put a, a ten point spread. I'd like to see that game. Because think about how many points Florida State scored. That's true. And they were playing like a, a real football team with a winning record last year. Right, exactly. Yeah, they were playing a top 25 team, and, and they barely lost, uh, even though they lost. Uh, Tennessee basically lost by two touchdowns. They scored with two seconds left against Georgia State to make it an eight-point game, which was a crazy development. So, all right. Nebraska traveling to Colorado, four-point favorites on the road. This one, the old uh, Big Eight. Were they in the Big Eight they together? Were. Yeah, I was playing a game when I was in Greece. I took my Super Nintendo, and I was playing some game. And uh, the, the, uh, some of these conferences I even forgot the existed. Slack. I was like, what? what? Yeah, I was like, what conference is this? Uh, they didn't even have the Pac-10 or Pac-12 or whatever. It was the Pac-10 at that time. It wasn't even on the game, which was, uh, shows you uh, East Coast bias. But, uh, 
you know what? Uh, this game is ugly. I'm going to actually take Colorado to cover the four at home. I think it's going to be a shootout. 64 and a half, the over-under. Give me the over as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking uh, Colorado because Nebraska looked terrible. I'm on the Huskers. I, I still – I think they have a better coach. I, I And I think they have better players. I, I was, I'm not going to give up on Scott Frost just yet. Uh, you got to imagine eventually something is going to click with that offense and they're going to start scoring giant point totals. Uh, if it doesn't happen this week, maybe it's never going to happen again. <laughs> I give me Nebraska. I, I have some faith remaining in that in that marriage between Frost and the Huskers. All right, so there's our picks. Uh, I did want to remind you, Rob, last year, uh, just to keep this in mind, Rob went twenty nine seventeen and two in his picks, and I went thirty three twenty eight and one. So we're doing a serious number of picks this year, Rob. The past two years combined, look at this number, Rob. You're going to be very happy with yourself. 65, 37, and 5 over the past two seasons is Rob's picks. Which means it's this year's just going in the tank, guys. <laughs> if you missed the good picks, if you right, missed the good I mean, picks, that part of my life is over. Here come the bad ones. Uh, last year, I went 33, 28, and 1. Uh, the year before that, of course, was the horrible season where I went 20, 38, and 3. So that gives me uh, 53, uh, 56, and 4. <laughs> well, one of us is an advantage player. Okay. Uh, or is that, excuse me, 66. So yeah, that was definitely, I was 13 games under 500 over the past two years. So uh, take those picks as you will. All right, let's talk some topics, Rob. You mentioned Florida State. They lose to Boise State, and this has been the topic of the week down there. The dehydration, the hydration, we got dehydrated. So I looked at the initial comments because you and I talked about this on the phone last night. So uh, you know what these radio shows that these coaches do? Definitely a good place to find uh, great content where coaches say dumb stuff every week and then realize that they said it and then walk it back. Yeah, of course. So Willie Taggart on Monday on his radio show, here were his exact quotes. Okay. He said, they need to start hydrating early in the week and take care of their bodies. Taggart said on his call-in show, we can't leave it up to our players just to do it. We've got to force them to hydrate and take care of themselves. I don't know if we did a good job of that last weekend. One of those situations where you live and learn and we'll make sure we help our guys when it comes to that. That sounds a lot like he's he's talking about the game against Boise, right? Right, exactly. He he, he said, we need to do a better job. We didn't do a good job last week. Okay. (laughs) Then this week, uh, our boy Willie comes out and clarifies his comments <laughs> and says, some folks insinuated some words that I said and totally took it a different way. Nowhere in there talked about Boise, about being an excuse for listening to Boise or anything. It talked about how we were preparing for Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to draw any parallels to the president of this country, but it's a, it's a real, <laughs> no, I never said that. <laughs> situation there i think right he 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 says so what happened was i think the local newspaper uh put a headline out let's see this according to war chant our florida state site which does a great job they're all over this story this is the main story of the week down there um he read his exact answer from the show and took umbrage with the fact his response was turned into a headline that read willie taggart doesn't know if fsu players were sufficiently hydrated for boise state that's literally what he said Right. He, <laughs> he said, I don't know if I don't know if we did a good job of that last week. That was quickly picked up by national outlets. ESPN's headline read, Taggart, dehydration possible for factor in a loss. Okay, 
Willie, <laughs> come on, man. You said it. You said it. <laughs> These football – I'm telling you. Like they've been conditioned to, to, to believe that you know they can just live in whatever reality they want to believe because everybody well, – they want to live in because everybody's – they get so used to everybody kissing their butts, right? And so you know if they say something, the great and mighty football coach, it must be true and nobody's really going to hold their feet to the fire over the things they say uh, because most times they don't. Uh, in this situation, you can't just lie. Like, he's got a he's got a real Trumpian relationship with reality in the situation. I think. Right. Here's the thing. Like, and I understand. Like, uh, you could say, "Hey, we got tired." I mean, they did get tired. They got worn down. The same thing happened to Oregon against Auburn. I think you and I were watching both of these games live, and in the middle of the third quarter, I texted someone and said, "Oregon's gassed. They're, they're this is going to be like a white knuckle to try to hold on and win this game." And when and it was clear. I mean, Boise ran like 105 plays or something. So it's not surprising that Florida State got tired. How could they not get tired when the defense is on the field for twice as long as the offense? So you just say, hey, look, you know, we got to do a better job of, of, of uh, evening out the time of possession, getting the, the defense off the field to get some rest. And even if he does say the hydration thing, I think owning it at least isn't as bad as just – I mean, your, your words are on tape. You can't just – you can't just say you didn't say that. <laughs> There's literally right. a tape of it. He says, he says, uh, I don't want anyone to take my words and run with it. I don't think that's right. Um, it's bringing a ne- negative light on our program. And I want to address it and say exactly what I mean. Hopefully will people take it for exactly what I meant and what I said and not for what they think I said. And we're really splitting hairs here anyway. <laughs> if, this is, if, if this is what he's chosen to focus on. At this time in his tenure as Florida State's head coach, he's screwed. If we're going to split hairs about what he said about hydration and not why they keep losing to teams they shouldn't lose to, this is not going to end up. Now, I think there's no shame in losing to Boise State. I think both you and I both picked them to lose that game, uh, even though we didn't do it on the show. Uh, I can tell you in our conversations uh, that we were both expecting them to win. And when when Florida State burst out at the beginning, I was like, oh, man, look at this. The off, new offense looks good. But once again, as has been a problem with Taggart uh, after watching, you know, obviously you didn't, I, and I didn't watch a ton of USF. He had the same issue at Oregon where they'd get big leads and then almost blow them. They did it against Nebraska his, his year there where he was at Oregon, and now it's been an issue at Florida State. They almost blew the game uh, against Louisville last year. So uh, They do look like I, a much better know. team than they did last year, at least offensively. No, I, I totally agree. I, they, the bottom line is they have a lot of good players on the team. It's just a matter of putting it together. I mean, you, you look at the names that we see on there, and you're like, oh, man, they got this guy, this guy, this guy. These are all players that we knew were good. You know, as I often tell people who, who complain about the rankings and when a team is good, bad and has uh, highly ranked, it's like we couldn't have been wrong about every single guy. <laughs> this, this, the same goes for Tennessee. We can kind of transition to them. Uh, Georgia State is in full-on troll mode after they after they won. You, <laughs> well, there's yeah, no better Lack- place to troll. I mean, it's too easy. Right. <laughs> you, you and you and Lackford both sent me this uh, video of a, a, a like a advertising van driving around Atlanta playing the the Georgia State win on like screens. Well, you know, George, your city specializes in this. You, they, after they won the Rose Bowl. I saw a story of a car driving around playing the Rose Bowl. <laughs> so this is a very Atlanta Atlanta thing. Do you think it was a Georgia State fans that arranged that, or do you think it was Georgia fans? 
I, you know, it's funnier if it was Georgia fans. I think it could be because there are some billboards up here. Like Tennessee definitely put some billboards. Like and a lot of teams do this where they put recruiting billboards up in, uh, you know, nearby cities. It's a, I remember it was like, you know, long ago, Oregon was putting them up in LA and stuff like that. And people were getting all mad. Uh, so Tennessee's got some billboards up in the city. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Georgia fans that were behind it. And more power to them, honestly. Like the, the other thing I wanted to talk about in relation to this trolling, Georgia State's got their players coming out saying this week's going to be a harder game than last week. And they're playing, I think they're playing Furman or Wofford or somebody. Have you seen I that? I have seen that. <laughs> Look, Tennessee's <laughs> losing the BYU. Game. I mean, that's happening. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you, you've. Uh, Oh, here we go. Georgia State player says FCS team will give us a tougher battle than Tennessee, which is crazy. Tennessee was winning in the fourth quarter. I don't no, think they're that, just saying uh, it to say it. I mean, but you know, to, both of those things are true. Um, they're saying it to say it. Obviously, Wofford is not better than Tennessee, but also Tennessee is losing to BYU. Okay, so they're playing Furman, oh, Furman uh, who's the 11th ranked, who's the 11th ranked team in the FCS level. And they have six FBS wins to their credit. The last one coming against UCF in 2015, which was, I believe, was the winless Georgia season or winless season when Georgia Leary got fired. So I don't know, man. There's been a lot of consternation on the, the, the Tennessee, on our Tennessee site, Paul Quest, which is, you know, the, the, the problem is you have a super passionate fan base. And then I talked about this with Georgia on Sunday. You just think like, as a fan of a team that was good at once upon a time, you just think, look, like we follow these steps. We hire a new coach, we recruit better, and then we'll be good. And unfortunately for them, they're going on coach number four here. If you do, if you go Kiffin, Dooley, Jones, and Pruitt, where they thought they were following that program and it doesn't look like it's working now. We're in real Nebraska territory. At this right. Point. But at least Nebraska, ha- well, I guess you could compare Butch Jones to like uh, Frank Zolich, right? Yeah, Bill Callahan yeah, was in there but, for a while. But they were winning like, like eight games. Yeah, they were good under Solich. Well, right. Yeah, but of course, they see themselves differently. Tennessee was, you know, did win nine games under Butch Jones. But I, I think if if he were still the coach, they they would still be terrible. So I'm not completely blaming Pruitt on that one. But you can't lose to Georgia State. There's just no way. I'm sorry, you can't do it. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care what's going on. They went two and ten last year. It's one thing to have a close call. We saw Iowa State have that against Northern Iowa where they were lucky to win. But how often do we watch these games week one or two where, you know, we're kind of like glued to it. And then eventually the te- eventually it's like, oh, it's tied in the third quarter. And then eventually Tennessee wins by 17 or something. Well, I think Pruitt could have got away with losing this game last year in his first year, you know, because then he, get, wait till he gets his guys in here, he gets his culture established. Losing it in year two – is where the problem right. is. Right, and, and they got to win this weekend. If they don't win this weekend, uh, and they play Chattanooga the week after that, which they should definitely win an FCS team. If they don't win this weekend, what? It's like they can fire the guy. He's going to get four or five years. I mean, they, what are they going to have another Tennessee coaching search that goes on for well, four weeks? Like, we, they can't. They're, they're screwed. They have to, no matter what. And I'm not saying that Pruitt's a bust because he's not yet. It's He's coached a season and a game. There is a chance that he is still a fine football coach, and they will get things turned around, and everything will be happy in, in Knoxville. But if he loses to BYU, what do you do? Like you can't even. <laughs> I I don't know what you do. You can't fire him. You can't talk about firing. Are you him. familiar with their schedule? 
It's a pretty easy no, no, schedule, no, no. isn't it? Listen, they, but after this, so they play BYU, which I said they need to win. After that, they play Chattanooga. We're going to give them a W there. Then they, this is this is the gauntlet they face after that. At Florida, home for Georgia, Mississippi State, and then Alabama, and then at Alabama, uh, and then they get into the Florida. Florida is a winnable game. <laughs> I think <laughs> I would hope it is. Look, but even if they lose all those games, they, there's they're stuck. You don't think they can fire this? I guy. don't think they can fire him unless they were to go like they'd have to go like three and nine. Uh, they could still easily go six and six and make a bowl game, and I think that was the goal. I just think it's hard to look. Uh, last year, by the way, Florida won forty-seven to twenty-one at Tennessee. So, all right, so let's play a game of true or false with Woody Womack. True or false, both Willie Taggart and Jeremy Pruitt will be the head coaches at their respective school when next season kicks off. I'm going to say true. Um, I also I think, think Tennessee. I think there will be some rest, but I think both of them. Right. Will I think Taggart goes seven and five. I think Tennessee, I picked them to. I picked them in my mind to go six and six with the thought that they could go seven and five if everything went right. Uh, everything's not obviously going right to start the year, but their back half of their schedule is winnable games. I mean, UA, they play UAB, Missouri, who looked terrible against uh, Wyoming. They play Vandy. They play South Carolina and Kentucky, which Kentucky struggle a little bit in their game. And they, and Tennessee beat Kentucky last year. So I think they still make a bowl game, but then I think, you know, then I think it's, Year three, I think it's hot seats for both coaches. And Tennessee's schedule in 2009 and 2020, I think they have to go to Oklahoma, which is, I mean, oh boy, God, come on, <laughs> give us a break of the old ske- scheduling. Uh, yeah, they they play Charlotte, they play, they go to Oklahoma, they play Furman, which as we learned is no pushover. Uh, <laughs> and luck- their crossover game is at Arkansas, but I mean, if they were to go six and six again next year, uh, I think that would be tough, especially if they. You know, they come out and then get hammered by Oklahoma, which I'm going to go ahead and t- take the points now <laughs> in whatever game. Yeah, whatever it is. The only coach that I, I am positive is getting fired is Clay Hill. Yeah, he's a goner. I mean, and I, that's I would put Charlie Strong in that mix. I would say he's going to get fired or he's going to leave. I think they're going to lose this weekend to Georgia Tech. So, um, anyway, all right. Now, Rob, I have been wait- I have purposely not talked to you about this in our day to day lives because I've been waiting to talk to you about it. Hugh Freeze, the head coach of Liberty, <laughs> <laughs> chooses to coach the game from a hospital bed, uh, which we don't want to make any light of his physical condition. I think he had a back injury and then he had a staph infection. He gave the pregame speech and halftime speech via like video conference. I think he gave an interview from the hospital bed. Is this the most football coach moment of all time? And can it ever be topped? <laughs> no, not unless somebody is like calling plays on their mother's wake. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, come, come on. <laughs> it's, it's like an episode of like a, one of these like CW shows about the, the high school football team. <laughs> it's, I mean, who who they lost 24 to nothing there is no reason that his assistant coaches couldn't have done he i i tend to believe that i mean he's gotten a lot of pub out of this i tend to think this was almost like a marketing thing i hate to be that cynical but what why what do you mean you think 100 percent. why else would he do that but there, <laughs> yeah no you're 
it is a marketing thing. There's no other reason. Yeah, they were never going to win the game, right? No. So, <laughs> so. Imagine trusting your assistant coaches so little that you need to coach on a literal hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was crazy. It just seems like it just seems it made for some good memes. I got some, I got some good laughs out. Yeah. Of it. Oh no the the gif of the gif of uh, Dino Babers, uh, former UCF coach, <laughs> waving to uh, waving up in the box, and then Hugh Freeze like waving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. It's one of the most. This is the kind of stuff, excuse me. I want you to just imagine explaining this to a European. Right. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, explain the concept of college athletics. And then you have to explain. (laughs) It's definitely a moment that's meant, that was meant for this podcast. And I, I, I was bummed that I didn't have you on Sunday to talk about it and laugh about it. So uh, anyway, that wraps it up for our topics this week. We're kind of keeping it uh, brief as we as we roll through. Uh, let's move on real quick. Tweet of the week. This one came through from, uh, got retweeted into my timeline, from Wholesome Cam Hawkins, uh, the other guy in the Everest commercial. And he has a podcast called South Congress with a K. So I don't, I'm not sure what Cam's up to. He's got 3,000 followers, though. So he tweets this. Bro, I'm 33. Don't post your mom on here. I'll have her on a Southwest flight to Essence Festival in a heartbeat. I saw this. <laughs> I saw this. People were posting pictures of their moms for I don't know why. There was like some one of those things going around where it's like, you know, say something nice about your mother. And I think that's where this was born. So, <laughs> so uh, somebody responds. Why does it got to be Southwest? And our boy Cam responds, because I like her, but I don't know her. <laughs> Just a great response. Uh, a great response. That's very funny. So, yeah, our boy. Uh, by the way, our boy Cam, someone pointed. Why does it got to be Essence Fest? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> someone pointed out that Barack Obama follows Cam on Twitter. So uh, he must be funny, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think it was like, uh, oh boy. Then 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 we got a mom who slides who slides in here and says, "Okay, but I also enjoy F- Essence Fest and Southwest flights." <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got moms shooting their shot at Cam, so it definitely worked. Um, so anyway, uh, that I thought that was a really funny tweet. Nothing football related, and it. Uh, it, it made me laugh. So also I found this uh, funny. I tweeted this, didn't get a lot of play. Uh, this was from Eater Atlanta. Uh, legendary Atlanta shoe modeling establishment, Magic City collaborates with Sublime Donuts for a peaches and cream treat they claim is the sexiest donut in Atlanta. <laughs> that was, isn't that a Yeah, Magic City, of course, is a strip club here in Atlanta. So uh, if you want some strip club donuts... <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you live in the city with the with the Magic City Strip Club that's named after the city that I live in. Yeah. Oh, by the by the way, I was so mad at myself that I forgot to go to the Winwood themed bar when I was in Greece. I was livid. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot that was. Out I there. didn't remember till last night. But they have all types of pancakes. They have like fake American brunch. I really want. They have Philly cheesesteaks there. I really want. I was really. There's going to be some tourists from you know 
Michigan well, <laughs> meandering around Boss taking selfies in front of murals. What's weird is it's not in a touristy area in in Greece, which is sort of odd. So I, I, next time, uh, it's if it's still open when I go next year, I will for sure be there. So, uh, all right, time for rants and recommendations. Rob, you and I have the same rant this week. We talked about offline. So let me give a quick recommendation. New show on HBO called The Righteous Gemstones, starring Danny McBride, John Goodman. Uh, hilarious show. If you like Danny McBride, which some people might not, I totally understand. Uh, he was, of course, an Eastbound and Down and uh, Vice Principals, another similar show. He's he's writing it, uh, producing it, etc. Very funny. Rob, I think you'd really like it. It's uh, Lampoon's like uh, big religion, you know, like a televangelist type thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very funny show. I uh, found myself laughing out loud. It's on HBO. I think there's been three episodes so far. So if you haven't watched that, go ahead and watch it. And uh, I, I've also been doing a couple of rewatches. There was a Downton Abbey marathon on Labor Day weekend. I found myself watching a ton of it. I'm going to try to get you to watch it, Rob. I think you'd really like it. I will. Yeah, I'll try to carve out some time. I still need to finish Game of Thrones. Um, I need to go back to that. I get distracted by the Mets. Yeah, you don't got to finish this, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just just, that little show. Nobody cared about it anyway. You want to talk about people being angry about the end of Game of Thrones? Every person I talked to in Greece was so mad about it. I, I was like, hey, well, why don't you guys make a TV show then? Yeah, no kidding. Well, they were like, oh, that show is a, is a British show. I was like, it's not a British show. It's an American show. Just have to be filmed with British actors. So uh, love it or leave it. All right, on to the ukuleles. <laughs> All right, rant. Now, this is a problem, Rob, and you and I talked about this. So when I was in Greece, you know, you get kind of – you get kind of uh, – everyone – the whole fam's there in one, one house – you're there for like two weeks in this small village. Not a lot to do. You know, you walk up, have a coffee. I go play basketball every day with uh, the, the kids from the village. And somebody uh, packed a ukulele on this trip. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, but is that a necessity to get in the suitcase? <laughs> well, it is now. So, <laughs> so, so the ukulele got brought out on several occasions, which – it's, I don't know how hard it is to play. I'm sure I couldn't play it. I'm sure, you know, but unless you're Jack Johnson or somebody, nobody ever wants to see you pull out the ukulele. I mean, it's, a, I have a hard enough time watching people sing in person, you know, like on reality shows where they'll be like the bachelor or something and the dude will pull out a guitar. I'm just like, no, I have to fast forward through it. Yeah. You would have so, never, you could have never survived in a, in a fraternity setting. There's always a guy that <laughs> has an acoustic guitar. Takes out his guitar. Let me tune it. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. It's like, dude, go tune it in the other room and it's come one in. Of every house. Right. So somehow it's become cool to play ukuleles, and I just can't. I cannot. I mean, I consider I considered stealing this ukulele and smashing it. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely I a even, trend. There's I, there's a bar over here called Better Days that on Sunday nights has ukulele nights where people come in and play the ukulele. So yeah, it's like. This is a bubbling trend for sure. Ukulele is either a having a moment now or is about to have a big moment. Well, I mean, I no, listen. It's it's very hard to be musically talented. So I get it. If even if you could learn how to play the ukulele, it's impressive. But just play it to yourself or to your dog or something. No other humans want to hear you play play the ukulele. I'm sorry. It's just the facts. I can't listen to it. I hate it. 
it drives me crazy. I even sent you some Snapchats of it, uh, of me just being miserable. I, I can't do it. Isn't so, it a pretty, like, big cultural thing in Hawaii? Isn't everybody playing a ukulele? Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah, if you're in Hawaii and you want to play cool Hawaiian music, <laughs> okay maybe. Play ukulele in one state of the union. Maybe you get a pass, or if you're from Hawaii, but you can't, don't come out here singing, you know, I can't even think of the songs that were being performed. One but. of the girls that played at the, the aforementioned ukulele night at the bar was actually pretty good. Of course, I was inebriated. Uh, I was enjoying If it. I was at a bar and there it was ukulele night, I would. I don't know. I'd skip without paying the bill. I, <laughs> she was good. I mean, you've seen me. You've seen me get uncomfortable in a bar where the, the remember I walked into the bar and a dog started barking at me that one time. <laughs> yes, I, and, I mean, I was ready to fight this dog. If I walked in and some lady was on playing a ukulele, it'd be tempting for me to walk up on the stage and take it and smash it to pieces. <laughs> so. I mean, there's no way. It, th- does anybody like it? Okay, I can understand people being neutral on it. Do you think anybody actually likes listening to other people play the ukulele? Like, do, I think, do I think I know anybody that like streams ukulele music on their Spotify? No, <laughs> probably not. But like I said, I enjoyed, Jack- the, I enjoyed the bar ukulele lady. Right, other than maybe like Jack Johnson. Like I said, isn't he the only person who – didn't he sing like Somewhere Over the Rainbow? I – he, I have a hard time remembering who that is. Uh, boy, I tell He's you like what, the amount of bro, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he probably went to Hawaii and picked up a <laughs> went to Hawaii and picked up a uh, a ukulele. Wasn't there? There was another dude that was kind of like him at the time. I just remember not being able to differentiate Jack Johnson and somebody else, but I can't remember who that somebody else is. Well, I'll play the. I'll I'll look it up to play the end of the show as we're about to end here. A quick reminder: iTunes reviews. We got a new review, Rob, which I think you're really going to enjoy. This is from uh, Ale Peace. A L E P E A C E. He gives us one star. Okay. <laughs> the review is titled "Wow," and he says, "Please remake colon two morons discuss football." <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with him. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> try to, I mean, what he says is t- I'm not going to pull a Willie Taggart here. What the man says is technically true. Uh, he's only left one other review in his life, uh, which he gave a game five stars and said, awesome game. I love this game. Awesome spelled A-W-S-O-M and love spelled L-U-V. What's the game? So uh, it doesn't say. It just says game because uh, it's the only other review he's left. So he must have felt pretty strongly or he or she or they to leave us a one-star review. So please help us balance that. <laughs> I like how he didn't just say two. He told us to remake it. <laughs> please remake colon two more. I oh, think he might've meant rename. Like, yeah. I think maybe he meant like remake. Yeah. Maybe rename the title to two morons discuss football, which I can see if that's available. We can do commitment issues. Colon two morons discuss football. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll, that's what I'll name this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway all right that wraps it up for us hold on let me see jake but that loser can't even, I... bet that loser can't even play a ukulele <laughs> yeah yeah uh let me see jack johnson somewhere over the rainbow but this is definitely a uh this is definitely the one i the one i googled let's see if i can get the sound to work because this is a new uh this is a different computer 
Oh. No, this is a this is a horrible song. I don't know what this is. Well, who sings the "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" version with the ukulele? Then I don't know. O A R. You know, I saw, I saw. Oh, look at this! So many people have have uh, have Googled this. There's so many ukulele song, ukulele cover, ukulele tutorial. So, um, yeah, Jack Johnson is like. Well, OAR this guy who's and kind of like uh, what's that other dude? Um, uh, yeah, I can't. <laughs> they all fit okay, in the so, same pack as, as each other. So the guy who sings "What a Wonderful World" and "Over the Somewhere Over the Rainbow" is Israel Kamakawi Ole. So he gets a pass. He's probably from a Hawaiian descent, I would say, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so he he gets the uh, Israel K. Let's let's he gets it. So Israel K, our boy, play us out. That ends this week's show. We will be back. Ben on Harper Sunday. is what I was thinking of. He sounds like Ben Harper. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of your frat your frat days, I'm sure a lot of those songs got played. Oh God, up. yeah, Ben Harper, OAR, Jack Johnson, yeah. Except they're all the same band to me. So that's I don't know. Who I went to. I went to an OAR concert when I was uh, covering the Super Bowl in 2009 because uh, my friend Liz was the PR person and she said not one person requested a media pass. <laughs> and she was like, I'm supposed to have media here. Can you come? So, so I went and there were people that were so into OAR, they were begging me to get them into like the press pit area. And I was like, you, you're standing right there. What does it matter if you're 10 feet closer? Guys, they have one song and it's terrible. And it still plays in every college bar in the country, I'm sure. Well, so uh, bringing it forward, uh, this year, Liz was in charge of credentials for the NFL honors at this year's Super Bowl. Uh, I was told by uh, some people who work here at Yahoo that we cannot, that there's no chance I could get in. Well, guess who texted Liz and guess who got a credential? <laughs> All dating. Thanks, LAR, for that one. Big help. Uh, so anyway, that wraps it up for us. I'm going to be back Sunday. We are going to have Sam Spiegelman on, uh, former guest, now an analyst who works here at Rivals. Uh, we're going to talk about the LSU game and, uh, of course, wrap everything else up. He, he seems to think he's going to do it from his car, so I'm sure that'll sound great. So. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but that wraps it up for us. Our boy Israel, uh, play us out with some uh, somewhere over the – oh, no, of course, some stupid ad comes on. Come on. You know, YouTube has lost it. What's the difference between Ben Israel, Harper and Ben Folds? <laughs> I don't know. Israel's playing us out. All right, bye. Oh, I know this one.